Welcome to the Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of the Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the name of the Lord as we pick up in Exodus chapter 33, verse 16. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. When Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane and the disciples fled from him, it said that the scripture might be fulfilled, smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So the context does refer to the Messiah and for the author of the Living Bible that takes such liberty to translate that thing that way, I wouldn't have the nerve to tamper with God's word because God honors his word above his name. And yet God says, I'm going to pronounce my name before you. They say that the only one who really knew how to pronounce the name of God was the high priest. And he would only pronounce it once a year on the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, when all the trumpets were blaring and the people were shouting their praises to God, because the word had come back that the goat had disappeared in the wilderness, during that moment of high celebration, with all of the shouts of the people rising, the priest amongst the shouts of the people would pronounce the name. But there was so much shouting, nobody could hear him. And so nobody knows how to pronounce the name. God declared, I'll proclaim my name. God gives great honor to his name, but even greater honor to his word. And then the Lord declares his graciousness and his mercy unto Moses. And so the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. And it shall come to pass, while my glory passes by, Lord, show me thy glory, while my glory passes by, that I will put thee in a cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, or actually sort of the afterglow, the hinder part, just that glow that is left from God having passed by, but my face shall not be seen. Moses' prayer, show me thy glory. And God promises to pass by his glory, past Moses, that he might see just the afterglow of it. And so the Lord said unto Moses, cut out two tables of stone, hew them out like the first, And I will write upon these tables the words that were in the first tables which you broke. And be ready in the morning and come up in the morning unto Mount Sinai and present thyself there to me in the top of the mount. And no man shall come up with thee, neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount, neither let the flocks nor herds feed before the mount. 
And so Moses hewed out the two tables of stone like the first, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up into Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hand the two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by. Now the Jehovah Witnesses think the name is Jehovah. But um, other evidence seems to point to Yahweh. The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children of the third and of the fourth generation. Now, there are people who try to say that there is a God of the Old Testament and a God of the New Testament, and the God of the Old Testament is a God of wrath and judgment, and all, but I love the God of the New Testament who is forgiving and gracious and kind and, and all. And, and they see actually two gods. The God of the Old Testament, the God of the New. But in the Old Testament you will find very much concerning the character of God as far as his graciousness, as far as his mercy. And here we find God declaring himself to Moses as merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping the mercy for thousands and forgiving the iniquities and transgressions. And so surely tremendous declarations of God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness, God's goodness, God's truth. People who seem to think that the God of the New Testament is all love and, and uh Forgiveness and, you know, the abrogating of the capital punishment and all of this had better read the book of Revelation. And they'll find out that he is also a God of judgment and a God of wrath that shall come and be visited. Grace and truth were demonstrated in Jesus Christ, but to those who reject that grace and truth, as Hebrews tells us, there remains then a fearful looking for the fiery indignation of the wrath of God that will devour his adversaries. For if they who despise Moses' law were put to death in the mouth of two or three witnesses of how much sore punishment suppose ye he to be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and who hath counted the blood of his covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and hath done despite to the Spirit of grace, for it is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. That wasn't the prophet Isaiah thundering out. That was the writer of the book of Hebrews declaring the judgment of God that shall come upon those who have rejected his grace and his mercy through Jesus Christ. And so in the Old Testament, we have a God of grace and mercy and long-suffering and forgiveness revealed to us. In the New Testament, we have a God of judgment and wrath revealed to us. They are one and the same gods. 
There isn't a God of the Old Testament and a different God of the New. And people only read in it what they want to read, but in reality, he is revealed in both Testaments as gracious and loving and kind and merciful and forgiving. And in both Testaments as a God of judgment and wrath. By no means clearing the guilty, that is, without their being repentance. God doesn't just say to a person, well, that's all right, you're forgiven. Jesus emphasized over and over, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. People are troubled with the fact that it declares vis visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. That is clarified a little bit more in the commandments that God gave, for it there adds to those that continue in them. Now, it is sad that the sins of the parents are visited upon the children. We see this demonstrated all the time. It is tragic indeed that really the real victims of divorce are the children. I can go into the classrooms here at Maranatha Academy and sit and observe in one day and at the end of the day, I can tell you each child that comes from a broken home just by watching the characteristics within the child. Children become the innocent victims because their parents aren't able to soften their hearts before God and each other enough to make the marriage work. It's tragic, but there are so much pressure, so many pressures being placed upon the home today. Divorce has become such an easy thing. And there are all kinds of pressures that have been placed upon the home. And, and love has been made out to be something that it really isn't. And I get so tired of hearing them say, well, I just don't love them anymore. And, and an unwillingness, a hardness of the heart, and an unwillingness to see that the marriage goes. The children have to suffer because of the sins of the parent. There are even worse cases of children suffering for the sins of the parent, for there are parents that are mothers who are addicted to drugs and when the child is born, it is born with an addiction to drugs. Many children go into withdrawals after birth because of the mother having been hooked on particular drugs. And there are the sins of the parents being visited upon the children. Taking it from a sociological standpoint and a psychological standpoint, there are people today who are having a hard time making it in life 
because their parents were so totally messed up. So many young girls having extreme emotional difficulties because their stupid fathers were abusing them sexually. Surely the scripture describes the days in which we live when it refers to unnatural affections. And for any father to make any kind of a sexual advance towards his daughter, something's got to be sick, sick, sick. Because what he is doing is psychologically destroying that daughter of his. There are so many of the young girls who come in with tremendous problems of adjusting to life because of the stupidity of their dads. Not just, I, I can't, under, in my wildest imagination, I cannot imagine a father abusing his own daughter or even being attracted to his own daughter in a sexual way. That is so absolutely sick, I can't even think of it. And yet, what perhaps, well, it's not even any worse, but fathers that abuse their own sons. It's just plain sick. And you cannot do that to a child without marking the child, without damaging the child psychologically, putting psychic scars on that child's mind that's going to be with him the rest of his life. Thank God for the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the only thing that I know that can straighten up the mess that people's minds are in because of some of the stupid things their parents did. If it weren't for the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the world would be in a much greater mess than it is today because people are doing such absolutely foolish things in destroying their own children. Oh, how glorious it is that we can come to Jesus Christ and receive that beautiful work of his Holy Spirit and he can absolutely cleanse and clear and if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature, and the old things are passed away, and everything becomes new, and you can enter into a totally new, beautiful life in Christ, and only he can erase the psychic scars that so damage some of you from your childhood and the things that you experienced in childhood. There are many young adults today that cannot even remember years of their childhood because their minds have blocked them out. The relationship with the parents was just so off the wall that their minds just block out years of their childhood and, and they can't even tell you about areas of their childhood because the, 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 the psychic wounds are so great that they've just, they've had to build a wall and they've just blocked it out and, and they have, it's just hid and it's, it's suppressed and, and lying dormant underneath there. And so it is true, it is tragically true that often the sins of the parents are visited upon the children, that they become the innocent victims of their parents' folly. 
But thank God there's always a way out. There's always, God has provided the way out through the blood of Jesus Christ that can wash and cleanse. But if it isn't there, then it'll go on and it passes on from generation to generation to generation. And you'll find that in, in your psychology and in your sociological studies that, the, the, that a person gets his role for parenthood from his parents. And so if their dads were guilty of doing a, a stupid thing, they'll usually follow that because that's the role model that they had. Unless Jesus Christ comes into their life, unless there comes that change through the power of the gospel, they follow the role model and it goes down from generation to generation to generation. And we see the degraded society around us today that is in such desperate need of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ to deliver us out of the cesspool and the pits and to raise us up. Oh, how I thank God for the godly home in which I was raised. How I thank God that both of my parents were committed Christians. On the list of blessings that God has given to me, I'll tell you that's the, near the top of the list, that godly home that I had. How I thank God for it more and more, especially as I see people who, my heart goes out to them, they've never had a chance to know what a real loving home is all about, a real godly home is all about. Moses made haste, and he bowed his head toward the earth, and he worshiped. God passed by, declared his name, declared his glory, and Moses' man just got down on his face and began to worship God. And he said, If now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. Now that's asking God an awful lot. Now, Lord, I've seen your glory. You've passed by me. You've declared it. Now, Lord, go ahead and pass among the people. Pardon their sin. And take us for your inheritance. Now, that's, that's the part that I have... Here, God, you can have me for your inheritance. Take this stiff-necked people for your inheritance. And yet, the Bible declares, Paul the Apostle prayed for the Ephesians that they might know what are the riches of his inheritance in the saints. What he is saying is, if you only knew how much God valued you, now, now, Moses is just saying that. Lord, take these people, put the value on them as your inheritance. If you only knew the high value God placed upon you, you'd be amazed. If you knew how highly God prized you, he prized you so highly that he sent his son to die for your sins so that he could have you as his own. That's how highly God prizes you. He delivered up his own son for you because he prizes you that much. I cannot understand it. Don't ask me to explain it. Here is the place where I, as a devout 
Jew, though I'm not a Jew, but as a devout Jew, who just comes to that place where he bows his head and says nothing, when I think of how God has placed such a high value on my life, all I can do is just bow my head and worship in wonder and in awe that God should love me and care for me and place value in me so much that he would give his son for my redemption. Oh, how I thank God and praise God for the value that he's placed upon my life. And so the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I make a covenant before all thy people. I will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth nor in any nation. And in all the people among whom thou art shall see the work of the Lord, for it is a awesome, the word terrible is an old English word, should be translated awesome thing that I will do with thee. Observe thou that which I command thee this day. Now, God is saying observe it, not just see it. There's a difference between seeing and observing. return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Exodus on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Exodus 33 through 34 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is the Word for Today. P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord enrich you in all good things in Christ Jesus. May he fill you with the knowledge of his love and his grace. And may you walk in fellowship with him. And may the Lord continue his work in your life as he draws you unto himself, as he cleanses you through his word, as he fits you and prepares you for that work that he would have you to do in touching the needy world around you. God bless you. And God strengthen you. And keep you ever in His love and in His will. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Lord, I believe in You. I'll always believe in you. It is by faith 
that you've been walking into one level of spiritual maturity to another. Faith is the key to a successful Christian life. And that is why the Word of God tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It was faith that led Abraham into the land of promise. It was faith that led the children of Israel through the Red Sea. It was faith that enabled Peter to step out of the boat and to walk on water. The question is, what might faith do in you? To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, Faith, or to preview a chapter for free online, visit thewordfortoday.org or call 800-272-9673.